gun control, and world government. The totalitarian world economic forum's agenda, prophesied union of politics and religion, the World Health Organization, and an Abraham Accords update, and much more on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I trust that you had a uh, great day yesterday honoring our veterans that never made it home. And we want to say a special thank you to them and to their families and the, everyone involved in our armed forces. I went to a, um, in the restaurant that we were in on Sunday. They had a big... Um, like a, uh, they recognized all of the different armed forces and everything. And there was a 97-year-old man there from World War II. And I went up and gave him a hug. And I said, man, thank you so much for your service. Because anytime you're in a wartime scenario, man, I just can't even imagine. And these guys, uh, we recognized them yesterday for giving the ultimate sacrifice. So that I could sit here on the radio today and have free speech, at least up to this point. And so thank you, uh, everyone that's been involved in the armed services over the years. I want to say God bless you and your families and you're in our prayers, certainly. Now, I'm going to talk today about a topic that's in the news (coughs) really heavily right now. And it's something that you're not being taught in school, so I thought I wanted to cover it. And I know this will kind of sound like Paul Harvey a little bit because I'm going to go back through some history. But if you've never been taught this, you need to understand the Second Amendment, what it's really all about, and what they're trying to do to us, and the reasoning behind it. Prophecies foretell the establishment of a world government in the end time. The global elites see disarmament of the populace as a necessary step on the way to achieving that goal. On the United Nations website, it actually states, since the birth of the United Nations, the goals of multilateral disarmament of arms limitations have been central to the United Nations efforts to maintain international peace and security. Disarmament, remember that. Now, many of you have seen the, uh, the big um, pistol that's outside the United Nations with the, uh, the barrel tied in a knot. And it's simply saying, hey, we're all about disarmament. We want to disarm the populace. And they talk about nuclear weapons and all these different things, but it goes all the way down to an individual's firearms, a pistol, a, a rifle, things like that. And since our schools do not teach about world government and certain perspectives of our forefathers and especially the Second Amendment, 
I thought I might reveal the true agenda behind this call for, a, for gun control in America and around the world. The American Thinker, it's a news source. They stated that last week marked the conclusion of the annual conference on the World Economic Forum in Davos and an event with a particular focus on the sustainable development goals of the United Nations, which is their socialistic blueprint to govern each and every person listening to me and around the world. And these goals, collectively known as the 2030 Agenda, are a set of objectives designed to be a shared blueprint for, they say, peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and in the future. But it's really their design to govern every one of us, a socialistic blueprint. So the agenda includes 17 goals like no poverty, zero hunger, and things like that. However, underneath the facade of this humanitarianism is a malicious truth. The Agenda 2030 is nothing more than an assault on national sovereignty and common people by the power-hungry global aristocracy. As you may recall, the uh, Klaus Schwab, president of the, of the World Economic Forum, he said the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. Well, goal 16, target number 8 of the Sustainable Development Goals, is to broaden and strengthen the participation of developing countries in the institutions of global governance or world government. Well, now let's get into gun control because there is a deep, sinister goal in the minds of these elites. Let's enter Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. According to Klaus Schwab, more than half of Justin Trudeau's cabinet are members of the or have been influenced by the World Economic Forum. If you remember all these statements that have been happening in the news, if you study this stuff at all. Well, MSNBC reported that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has proposed a national freeze on handgun sales. He said the ban would apply to buying selling, transferring, or importing handguns anywhere in Canada because of supposedly mass shootings going on. CNBC reported that House Democrats are looking to pass gun control legislation by early June. Well, that's tomorrow, June 1. President Biden, of course, has stated many times the idea of these high, he, he actually stated uh, this weekend sometime the idea of these high caliber weapons and he was actually talking about nine millimeter pistols. But he's also talking about um, ARs, AR-15s, and things like that. He said there's simply no rationale, rational basis for a an AR type rifle in terms of about self protection or hunting, and he said. I guess, and then he said, and you know, remember the Constitution, the Second Amendment was never absolute, he said. Well, that's why I'm going to go through some history of the Second Amendment in just a moment. He says, you couldn't, back then at this, with the Second Amendment was passed, you couldn't buy a cannon. When this, and so, you couldn't go out and purchase a lot of weaponry. But he's totally off the goal of the Second Amendment. He, I mean, 
which I'll get to. But so many of these elitists and politicians are anti—they're pro-gun control. Uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. I mean, right on down the line, folks. Pope Francis has come out calling about uh, calling for gun control because it's all about the gun, right? I mean, according to them, it's the gun that kills, not some deranged person that is holding the gun, shooting the people. It's the gun's fault. Well, we're going to talk about the Second Amendment when we get back from the break because I want you to really understand what our forefathers were intending when they made that. In the Bible, God gave us a timeline from the beginning to the end of the age. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching our brand new video, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Get your DVD of The Future According to Bible Prophecy free with a gift of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime. That's endtime.com slash future or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and end of the age plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Let's talk about the the true agenda behind all of this. Now, I know there may be a few people out there that just are saying, hey, you know, we can't have so many guns on the streets. I mean, they're being sincere. But all of these politicians and all these people that, you know, talk show hosts and these globalist elite, their goal is to control the world through gun control. That's one of the means. Look at the United Nations. They're all about disarmament. I mean, so think of it like this. I think it was Thomas Jefferson that said, when governments fear people, there is liberty. When people fear the government, there is tyranny. The strongest reason the people to retain the right to keep and bear arms is at, as a last resort 
to protect themselves against tyranny in government. And so I'm going to go through some history here. And, but you need to understand this. Again, none of our kids in high school or college are getting taught this anymore. So after years of slavery, our forefathers defected from England with dreams of a land that would be governed by the people, not a tyrannical king. King George came out from under. So in an effort to guarantee more freedom and less control, they signed the Constitution of the United States, which, listen very closely, the Constitution limits governmental control of the people. That's why a lot of uh, politicians nowadays that are trying to override these things they want to they want to they don't want to talk about the constitution okay but it limits governmental control of the people to further restrict any ability to establish a strong central government the US House of Representatives devoted the first 10 amendments or the or the um, bill of rights of the constitution to the protection of <coughs> individual liberties of these the second amendment gives every United States citizen the right to keep and bear arms, not with the intent of providing weapons to hunt rabbits or, you know, uh, but as a means of defense against a tyrannical government that might seek to enslave individuals and to strip them of their God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, this is not some conspiracy theory, okay? I mean, we're talking about the founding documents of our country here. The Second Amendment states, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, of course, some say this is not an individual right, but merely gives each state government the power to maintain a military force or uh, some type of a militia type situation. The reason for the debate is simple. All men are endowed by their creator, not government, with certain unalienable rights. One of those rights is is the ability to keep and protect their freedom. I mean, consequently, any government or dictator seeking to strip the United States citizens of those freedoms and to control the people must intentionally misinterpret the Second Amendment and take away the citizens' ability to resist, hence gun control laws, right? Now, I'm not advocating storming the, the White House and all this other. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm telling you how our country was set up and the, the original intent behind what our forefathers, those documents, these precious documents that our forefathers put together that most people in, a lot of people in government today don't even want you to think about those documents. They want to push their agendas and and override those documents. So isn't it clear? Because really my goal today is world government. That's really the goal. But you need to understand because the Second Amendment is being so cut to pieces right now. I wanted you to understand the original intent of our forefathers. 
So isn't it clear why our forefathers signed the Second Amendment into law? They knew exactly what it was like to live under slavery or in slavery, in slavery under a dictator who disarmed the masses and left no means for resistance. The critical question today then is, if the only reason for the disarmament is to control the masses, why is there presently such a push for gun control in the United States and around the world? So think about this. From armed citizens to slaves. For over a thousand years, it had been customary for an Englishman... Remember, I'm talking about our forefathers, the beginning of our country here. I'll get to today. But for an Englishman to serve in a citizen's army or militia. It was customary for that. Which originally required every individual to be armed and to defend the realm if needed. They wanted them to have armaments. This system of universal armament was successful for two reasons. Each citizen had a way to defend himself and to protect his individual liberties. And number two, monarchical rule was kept in check by sheer physical force, should a tyrannical government try to enslave the population. During the Stuart period, that was um, early 1603 to 1714, there was a civil war between the kings and the parliaments, which resulted in each side vying for control of the militia. Well, consequently, this led to the disarmament of many English citizens because both sought to confiscate the arms of the opposing faction. So in the end, Parliament forces prevailed and the citizen soldiers of England were turned into the new model army in 1645. However... Parliament misjudged the loyalty of the army to the people of England and this couple with no Parliament paycheck and an attack on their religious freedoms led to the rump Parliament where the army actually took over the government under the leadership of of, um, Oliver Cromwell. But Cromwell died in 1659 and the Parliament was reinstated by General George Monk in 1660. So this new parliament, which was made up of those that favored the monarchy, placed Charles II on the throne. Well, Charles disbanded the army, except for those that were loyal to the crown. And immediately Charles began to disarm any person who was judged dangerous to his empire. Well, this left the standing armies in power of the king to protect his kingdom, and without the system of universal armament, well, that ended the ability of English citizens to defend their individual liberties, and it forced them into slavery. Well, now you can kind of get, to kind of understand the original intent of our forefathers when they started America and started signing these documents that we would use to govern with. After defecting from England because of this tyrannical rule of King George, our forefathers sought to build a new country that was governed by the people. This was the original intent. How's that that working out for us today? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, think about it. These are forefathers, very educated men, and they knew that over time there would be those that would try to usurp authority over free American citizens. Wow, we don't see that today, do we? Of course we do. In order to declare our freedom from oppression and provide a safeguard against a tyrannical government, ever enforcing its will upon free people, the original founders wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. And these documents clearly define the mindset of our forefathers in the late 18th century. Well, the opening statements of the Declaration of Independence, they provide a distinct remedy for this, a, um, really it would, man, a, what an, an infectious disease of a tyrannical government, which would seek to deprive men of their God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence states that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed or the people. That's us. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it actually states, if you haven't read this in a while, that it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Now, I'm not saying I'm advocating for this today and that I want to go do that. I'm saying this was the original intent of our forefathers, and you need to understand this when we're looking at the gun control advocates today. So it states, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish and to institute new government. And it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. These are in our founding documents, folks. So in an effort to further restrict governmental encroachment upon the people, the Constitution of the United States was signed into law 1787 and remains, is supposed to be, I should say, the supreme law of the land. Now, this goes back to my discussion the other day with the Federal Reserve, which gives the Congress, uh, or I should say with the Federal Reserve Act, the, the Constitution gives the Congress the right to print money, to, to um, control how much money is in circulation, to set the interest rates and all that. The Federal Reserve Act took that away from Congress, and now we have a private cabal of bankers called the Federal Reserve that's controlling the economy of the United States. So we've moved way off the Constitution. Well, in essence, this tell, the Constitution tells the government what it can and cannot do. Again, this is why some people, they don't even want to talk about the Constitution anymore. So in order to avoid a dictatorship or a tyranny, the original framers built a system of checks and balances into the government by dividing it into three parts, legislative, executive, and judicial, and thereby limiting the ability of any one political entity from retaining all the power. And that's why if a certain political group wants to control the Supreme Court, they would say, well, we need to pack the court. We need to get a bunch of judges on there 
that will vote the way we want him to vote, and that's control. You can see it happening in Washington as we speak, everybody. But regardless of which state each framer was representing, one main determination propelled them all. No dictatorship shall ever run the United States of America. That's what the documents were all about. Well, after the Constitution was adopted, several state representatives determined that the wording of the Constitution was vague concerning individual liberties. And as a result, James Madison wrote the first ten amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. So these ten amendments, very specific list of restrictions placed on the federal government, further protecting the individual rights of each uh, United States citizen and cannot be usurped, or I should say, should not be able to be. They have been but should not be able to be usurped under any circumstance. So, in forging these documents, everybody, history really tells us that even though our founding fathers did not always see eye to eye, there were two things that all of them agreed upon. A central government or dictator should never be allowed to usurp the authority of the American people. Number two, universal armament is the only check against a tyrannical government. Consequently, the first point is addressed in the Constitution, while the protection for the second is clearly stated in the Second Amendment. Now, remember, Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So, Of the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment is the most debated today. It's in the news every day right now because of this horrible shooting that happened in Uvalde, Texas. Now, I don't want to just sweep that under the rug. That was horrible. I prayed for the families. I prayed for everybody involved many times. Horrific situation. And I've asked myself, if this was to happen to my family... Would I be the one up on the stump advocating for gun control? But I've had to be honest with myself and say, no, I would not. Because it is the deranged individual that would pick up a gun, go into a school and start shooting innocent children and teachers and different things. It's not the gun. I know... many people that have guns that have never done that. It's not the gun. And so we'll get more into some of the history and some of the um, details of all of this on the backside because it's all leading to world government. I'll tie it all in here in just a minute. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Again, everybody, my goal here is to talk about leading us into a world-governing body. But one of the steps to do that, the world government knows they need to disarm people. They always have. Look at all of the despots throughout the last several centuries. They had to disarm the people, and they knew it. So... Again, of our Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment is the most debated today. There's freedom of speech, yes. But the Bill of Rights, I mean, it's just in the news every day. So I I should say like the Second Amendment. So some have said that it gives the state the right to control any militia and that only those individuals should be armed. That's not what it says. Others say because of the Game Act law passed by the English and back in 1671, which restricted hunting to those of wealth, that the Second Amendment only allows citizens a weapon capable of hunting. But that is simply not the case. The original framers of the Constitution knew that there needed to be a specific provision to arm people. Why? Well, the answer is clearly found throughout the documents that were used to forge our nation. Armed United States citizens have the right to protect their individual liberties and protect and and their property against any government or dictatorship or a a thief or anybody like that that would try to strip them of either. So not only were arms to be used as a defense against a tyrannical government, but our forefathers also believed that this was the duty of every American citizen to throw off any such government or dictator. Now again... Look at our founding documents. I'm not advocating to go storm the White House. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm focused on world government. But these are our founding documents, everybody. And so to replace any government or dictator and to provide new leadership for the future of this nation. And that's the reason for the Second Amendment. Without the universal armament of the population, remember what happened in England when they took their arms away. They ended up in slavery. And without the Second Amendment, we could very well do that again here in America. Um, Now, 
For this cause, our forefathers pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and the Second Amendment, thereby protecting the right of every individual in the United States citizen to keep and bear arms. They understood that there was only one reason why any government or dictator would seek to disarm the population. I mean, think about this. Anybody with a, a, a logical thinking mind would say, there's never been a gun that has got up out of its gun case, walked down the street, walked in a school, and killed several people. If you've got a logical thinking mind, you understand that, right? There has to have been a deranged individual that picked that gun up, walked down the street, and walked into the school. There's a human involved every single time. And the human is not in their right mind. They can't be and do something like that. So we need to focus on some of the problems in our populace rather than, hey, we need to take everybody's guns away, right? That's not a logical thinking mind. But why would anybody want to do that? Absolute control with no means of resistance. So thinking about disarming the United States, gun control in the United States was virtually unheard of until the early 19th, 1900s. And since then, at the federal level, three sets of gun control laws have been passed upon which most disarmament lawsuits are founded, many of them. Number one was the National Firearms Act, 1934. It placed a huge tax on machine guns and other gangster weapons. Number two, the Gun Control Act of 1968 made it illegal to purchase a rifle or shotgun by mail order. Um, I think President Kennedy was shot with a mail order rifle. And called for stricter licensing requirements for dealers and further detailed individuals restricting from restricted from purchasing a firearm. I mean, if an individual is a felon and they, you know, they did uh, armed robbery and all this stuff, yeah, we probably shouldn't sell them a gun. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Or if somebody's a some kind of a deranged individual that runs into the store and says, "Give me a gun right now," I got, you know. No, that's not probably going to... You don't need to do that. No. But obviously there are millions and millions and millions of normal people that just want a gun. And so... And then number three, the the Brady Handgun Violence Protection Act of 1993 required a five-day waiting period and a background check for the sale of handguns as well as requiring the establishment of a national instant criminal background check system. Well, now you understand the original intent of our forefathers about a future government that would try to usurp authority over the American people. I don't think the, our forefathers ever envisioned a global government. They were just saying, hey, any government that would try to take control of the American people like King George and the rest of them did with us over in England. We, they escaped out of that. But we know that the Bible says there's going to be a world government 
that will try to usurp authority over the global nations, do away with the nation state, have one global state that enters into a world governing body. That's the goal of all, everybody trying to establish a world governing body, the elites. So what does the United Nations really hope to gain from an international different arms treaties and disarmament and all these different things? They, yeah, they do talk about nuclear weapons and nuclear disarmament and you know biological weapons and all those things. And those things are horrible. But they also, in their arms treaties and things that they propose, they also go down to conventional weapons, which would be what you and I own. So... What's, it, what's the whole thing about? It's about control, control, control. As an institution of global governance, since its inception, the United Nations founding members have dreamed of a globalized world where all nations would operate under the rule of, an, of international law. The only way for that to happen would be for them to universally disarm the planet which would allow them to strategically position their fully armed UN peacekeeping forces around the world to keep peace, right? Now, with this in mind, the United Nations Charter, which was drafted by, you know, if you've heard this program for a while, Alger Hiss. He was a communist spy. He was the architect of the United Nations Charter, signed in 1945. That gives the U.N. Security Council the responsibility of, with the help of a military staff committee, the regulation and possible disarmament of the world's weapons. Now, the United States, that, has to, that is, I should say, supposed to go through the House of Representatives, through the Senate, and, you know, and then would be signed into president for that to, be in, to come into law. That hasn't happened yet. But... It's very important that we understand there are people here in the United States that would love to do that. They're talking in the news all the time. Uh, Joe, Joe Biden would love to do it. So the United Nations does not have a Second Amendment because it's, it's diametrically opposed to the idea of arming citizens. Why? Again, absolute control with no means of resistance. Now, you and I both know, and this would be the reason for all of this, the Bible prophesies a world government's coming, folks. According to the Bible, there's going to be a world government established on the earth just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's going to control the world politically, religiously, and economically. This global government is going to eventually be ruled by one man, a personage, a personage referred to as, in Scripture, as the Antichrist. Revelation 13 reveals, God's revealing the whole thing. It describes this coming uh, one world government or a new world order in verses 1 through 8. That describes the one world government. Verses 11 through 15 um, prophesies the global religious system. And then verse, uh, Revelation 13, 16 through 18, the world economic system that we would refer to as the mark of the beast. Each of these globalized governing entities will be used to force every citizen on the earth to pledge allegiance to the world government and its ruler, the Antichrist. So just like the United Nations platform today, the Antichrist will come into power with a plan for the universal disarmament of the planet. 
But it's going to be all in the name of peace, right? But I would pose a couple questions to that. If you remember back through history, was, was peace the real reason? The world empires of Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, and Rome, is peace the reason that they conquered their adversaries and turned them into slaves? Did they do it because they just wanted to have peace? No. Well, maybe, maybe peace is what Adolf Hitler was thinking when he disarmed the Jews and led them to the gas chambers. Was he looking just for peace? Absolutely not. And perhaps it was uh, Mao Zedong. Maybe it was peace that motivated Mao Zedong and Joseph Stalin even to kill tens of millions of people, of their own citizens. No, absolutely not. It was not about peace. Is it, the, is it possible that peace was behind the disarmament of England, of our forefathers, which led to the slavery of our forefathers? No. There's only one reason in history for the universal disarmament of citizens, and that's absolute control with no means of resistance. Now, I wanted to bring this up today because it's in the news every day, every day. And again, I hate mass shootings. I, 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 I've prayed so many times for all these families and different things. But the issue here, look at what our forefathers signed on to and, and wanted how, how to govern America, and, and they knew what they had come out from under. And for people to come in and say, well, you know, they would love to disarm, take every gun. But there's, it's, what they, it's, it's how they're starting. Let's just take ARs. You know, and Justin Trudeau is looking to ban pistol sales in his, in his country. I mean, that's crazy. But I just wanted you to know that in, in the entire grand scheme of things, the United Nations was established. One of its main goals was to disarm. Okay? They want to have fully armed peacekeeping forces, but they want to disarm the populace. Well, at that point... They can dictate and do whatever they want, right? And so this is, what we're, this is what we're seeing playing out in our news every single day. Is not just the call for gun control here in America, but you have globalist leaders that are fully on board with a world governing body. And that's why every time something, a little thing happens... They're calling for gun control because they understand that we've got to be able to control the arms of the people to be able to control the people. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Okay, in the last segment here, let me shift gears. I know that took a while, but man, there's so much uh, fake news and agendas and things are happening and you can get overwhelmed by the thoughts of this horrific shooting that happened in Uvalde, which is horrible. But when this landslide of gun control comes at us and you think, man, I, you know, some people are thinking, well, maybe we should. I mean, they're starting questioning. No, no. Look at our founding, what our forefathers did in the founding documents of our country and understand on the big scale what's really going on here with world government and the goal of the United Nations from the beginning has been disarmament, disarmament. Now, the American Thinker published an article, World Economic Forum Speakers Signal a Coming Dystopian Nightmare. Wow. The World Economic Forum. I don't have enough programs in a month to talk about that and how aligned they are with the world government and the United Nations, and they're all pushing the agendas the World Economic Forum working with the Council for Inclusive Capitalism to implement the Sustainable Development Goals, which is the socialistic blueprint of the world government to manage everybody's everything, every aspect of your life. But in this article, talking about the, and I haven't mentioned much about the World Economic Forum as it was going on, but now that it's done, we'll probably do some programming on it because it is, it's just a tool of the world government, folks. They want to control every aspect of your life. It says in the article, Brave New World, you decide. J. Michael Evans at the World Economic Forum. Many of you may have heard this. He's the president of the Alibaba Alibaba Group, a Chinese multinational technology company. He bragged at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. He said this, and I'm quoting, We are developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. Here's the deal. I have no interest in measuring my own carbon footprint. The global elite do, but I don't. Because I know that God has a way of regulating all this stuff with the trees and the oceans, and God's regulating every emission that we're putting off, folks. These people don't care about God. They could care less what he thinks, how big he is, his authority. They don't care. So they, th- they look at human solutions. But there's really even not a problem. But this guy says, hey, we've got the, uh, we're creating a technology to get for us consumers. Hey, this is good for you, Mr. Consumer and Mrs. Consumer, to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where... That's where are, where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? Now, this guy, these people are creating a way 
for us to track that. But in the end, it's not American citizens that are wanting to track that. It's the global elite that want to track what you're doing. That's really what the goal of all of it is. And so we need to understand the big picture here. Really, this, the, the, almost the entirety of my program today will be devoted to world government, if not all of it. But if you're not looking at it from the right perspective, some people could get to think, well, hey, maybe this is a good thing. Now, also at the World Economic Forum, really not to be outdone, you may have heard that the Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, he told uh, those attending at the World Economic Forum about a new technology that his company has developed. He said, and I'm quoting, it is a, uh, basically a biological chip that is in a tablet. And once, once an individual takes the tablet and dissolves it in their stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that and the compliance. I'm, I was quoting, and the compliance Now, he should have said, well, it's frightening what happens in this field. But, of course, he's not going to say that. Because if you can get a pill that's got a chip in it, you swallow that thing, and it starts, they can track you, they can do all things with that, all kinds of things. So, I have no intentions on taking any kind of a pill with a chip in it. Next, and and then there was the uh, World Economic Forum's founder, Klaus Schwab. He told the audience of over 2,500 global government and business leaders that the future is built by us, by powerful communities such as you here in this room. So, we're not relying upon God and His spiritual guidance and what He wants and His kingdom on the earth and the revivals he wants to have, we're not relying upon that. We're the ones building the future. You see, diametrically opposed to the Word of God. The Bible says in Romans, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But these individuals, all of these things are humanitarian organizations. No reliance upon God. No reliance upon... uh, No, no, uh, they they don't fear God. They don't want to know what God thinks. No mention of God. It's all about we. We're the ones in control. We are the ones that can can build the future. The group of elite individuals sitting in this room. Well, of course, that's just what the world needs, right? A, A global fascist oligarchy monitoring what we consume, where we go, with the aid of this ingestible computer chips, that notify authorities where we have whether we've been naughty or nice. I mean, come on, everybody. This is all headed towards a world governing body. They're all working for the same thing. Anytime somebody tells you that they support the sustainable development goals of the world government, of the United Nations, they're on board with globalism and the world government. Um, LifeSite News. They published an article. The Vat- a Vatican official at uh, Davos, Switzerland, says that the Vatican Church is implementing the World Economic Forum agenda. Now, if my pastor 
got up in the pulpit Sunday and said, hey, guess what? Our church is going to start implementing the World Economic Forum agenda. We would have a conversation after his sermon, I promise you. And I would say, look, do you understand what's really going on here? Do you understand what these people are trying to do? You can't lead this church. Now, I know my pastor would not do that. But I was, I'm talking about anybody out there. If your pastor ever steps in a pulpit and says, hey, we're going to implement the World Economic Forum's agenda and we're going to push the sustainable development goals and we're all on board with the globalism and we're going to move into this big, huge interfaith uh, movement and we're just headed in that direction. We're going to get caught up in it because we just love everybody. I, and now, folks, you need to question that. I do love everybody, and I want to see everybody go to heaven. But I'm not, I'm not going to be any part of a world government in the end time or a world religion. God's going to judge those entities when He comes back. There's no way you're going to get me to be a part of that. I'm not going to be a part of any organization that has anything to do with that. That's, that's, those are two big don'ts in the end time. There's a list of do's and don'ts. That's, that's a do not. You can't be a part of a world government. God will judge that. And there will be uh, the world religious system, Revelation 17 and 18, God's going to judge that. And so the, uh, the, uh, this guy said that the Catholic Church intends to implement policies and programs to put into practice the issues considered by the forum. His name is Leonor Cirello. He's the superior general of the Scalabrinian order, a, 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 a Vatican cleric. He was at Davos, Switzerland, the Davos Summit, the conference hosted at the World Economic Forum, which advances a punishing green agenda, open borders, future pandemic uh, management. And he said that the Catholic Church is committed to the various issues considered at the forum. Speaking at the Va- with the Vatican News, uh, Leonard Cirillo, Superior General of this, the Congregation of Missionaries of St. Charles, said that the church leads the way in implementing many of the World Economics Forum's globalist ideals. Grave concerns have already been raised by groups within the Catholic Church regarding the Pope's support of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, part of the wider World Economic Forum-endorsed Agenda 2030, which calls for universal access to sexual and reproductive health and reproductive rights. There are people within the Catholic Church that are balking against that. The, the perception that the Vatican has been aligning itself with the United Nations and World Economic Forum goals has strengthened after Pope Francis expressed his gratitude for the passage of the Sustainable Development Goals back in um, the 2016 Pontifical Conference attended by the notorious abortion and, and population control advocate Jeffrey Sachs. Sachs was one of the most, world's most prominent supporters of the Sustainable Development Goals and a frequent visitor to the Vatican, also said the Pope's encyclical Laudato Si. You remember that back in 2015. That was lauded by Cirillo as implementing the Davos agenda, that it was made possible and that the and the, uh, the passage of the SDGs. So... These world governing leaders are, the S, again, the Sustainable Development Goals. That's why we've talked about it many times. The Sustainable Development Goals are the socialistic blueprint 
of the United Nations to govern every single person on the planet. They used to be called uh, back, you know, what, six, eight, ten years ago, the Millennium Development Goals. Now those have changed. In, those are MDGs. Now they're the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. Now they've gotten bigger and more detailed. But it's the same goal, everybody, world government. And so that's why when I read about this, I thought, man, these, they're just being bold and brash. Hey, the Catholic Church is going to follow and implement the Davos Switzerland agendas and the Sustainable Development Goals. And so there was another article. I won't get to it today, but the United Nations, this is from the United Nations. They say that the Sustainable Development Goals remains the EU's compass. And so another prophecy I could go into is the Holy Roman Empire, Daniel chapter 2, the feet of iron mingled with clay, Revelation chapter 17, the woman riding on the back of the seven-headed um, ten-horned beast, the scarlet-colored seven-headed ten-horned beast. These are, these are symbolic images of the reborn Holy Roman Empire that will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The reborn Holy Roman Empire is the current European Union. So I may do a program here coming up. I'll only be on the program tomorrow, and then Doug and Vince will be here Thursday and Friday. They may want to do it. But the union of politics and religion in the end time, folks, is astounding. These people, they're advocating for world government religions, major religions on the planet, advocating for world government, the sustainable development goals, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, and all these different things. The Bible prophesies, Revelation 17, 3, the woman sitting on the back of the seven-headed um, ten-horned beast. The seven-headed ten-horned beast is world government. The woman is the false religious system. <coughs> it's a union of politics and religion in the end time. Folks, we're seeing it happening on every side right now. And I pray that it does not come to America. And I'm praying for a great end-time revival. I'm not scared by any of this. I'm not alarmed by any of it. But I just want to keep you guys up to date on what's going on because we are so close to the second coming, it's unimaginable. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.